What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back on the show, and we are recording on Tuesday the 4th. We didn't get a chance to record yesterday. Uh, scheduling just ended up not working out. So we got to see a really good Wizards-Hornets game last night. But before we do that, we can kind of recap what happened last week. So I think we played... Who did we start off the week with last week? We started off with, it was either Philadelphia or Miami that we started off with. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I thought it was Philly, but I can double check here. Um, so it was the last week. Uh... What was that? That was the Sixers game was on Sunday, and then it was the Heat on Tuesday. Okay, so it would have been the Miami game where we started yeah. off with. Okay, so yeah. so going back and recapping and looking at some of these games, the Wizards went one and two last week. They really should have been two and one probably, but we'll get into all that fun stuff. But going back to this Miami game, I thought this was a, a very winnable game when you considered who was available. Um, for both teams, but obviously Miami has this knack for finding role players that really just stick to their role and know how to play the game. They can all shoot the ball pretty well, and um, you know the, the Wizards are one of those teams that sometimes hit threes, sometimes they don't, and then even if they do, sometimes it feels like they can't get stops on the other end. But either way, um, this was a, a pretty big win for Miami and their role players because their star players really didn't do a whole lot to hurt us. Yeah, I mean, like, Jimmy wasn't, uh, like, he wasn't scoring a lot, but he was really facilitating the ball, and he was just like, he's just one of them guys that's just, in the fourth quarter, he's just going to make the right play and get to the free throw line, and it just it just kills you, so. You know, it's, you know, and then Tyler Hero just went off. And, you know, you yeah. had their role guys that were killing you. So, you know, and the Wizards, I don't know. It's just, I don't know how the Heat find guys like that that just, you know, they're three-point-per-game players, and then they just turn them into, like, quality role players that can really shoot it and defend. Um, it'd be nice if we could find some guys like that. Yeah, and I guess I was thinking maybe of another Heat game because the role players in this game actually didn't do too much damage to us. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler did have 25 and 15, but I remember thinking to myself during that game, it really felt like he just wasn't really doing all that much to hurt us, I felt like. But Duncan Robinson, 26, hero, 32. Um, you know, I mean, that'll kind of that'll kind of do it. So, um, But I thought that that was a very winnable game. And who knows, maybe if Duncan Robinson wasn't as hot from three, then... Um, you know, maybe it's a, it's a different outcome, but I, I remember this. I remember being irritated with Kispert because it felt like for the life of him, he couldn't figure out where he was on the court. Like he was always losing him. And I'm like, I get you're a rookie and everything, but you're a smart player. Like you're a very high Q, a very high IQ player. So I kind of hold you to a little bit of a higher standard with certain things in terms of other rookies. And I felt like that's one of those simple, like, basic scouting report things unless they looked at his percentages so far this year and said well we're just not going to worry about that as much but I can't believe that that would ever be the case I mean if you have a one-dimensional player 
I mean, the idea is to take away that one dimension so he can't do anything else, but, you know, I don't know. And you would think because of his own skill set, he would kind of know the spots Duncan Robinson is trying to get to because those will be the same spots that he would be trying to get to. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I mean, he's still a rookie. You know, it's, it's a big jump from college to pros. And so I still look at him as a rookie. I don't really look at him as, like, a 24-year-old. Uh, you know, I just think he's going he's gonna to learn. Like, he's going to get picked on. He's going to take his lumps just like any other rookie. Yeah. Um, but he'll be better for it come next season. The Wizards then came back and had a pretty good game against the Cavaliers where we won in pretty convincing fashion, I'd say, a 17-point victory where it felt like we were just kind of in control the whole game. It was never really in doubt for me. Um, and this was, I mean, obviously, the, the, the Cavs are without some guys. Uh, Darius Garland didn't even play. Uh, Ricky Rubio is now out for the season, which sucks for them. But, you know, I mean, w- when everyone play, plays us, you know, we expect our team to go out there and, and to compete and to come away with a win for the most part. You know, certainly there's circumstances where you look at and say, okay, like just compete tonight and we'll live. But the Cavs are one of those teams where they're better than us on, on paper. And so I feel like even if they are missing guys, I mean, the, you – the expectation is to to still go out there and, and try and get a win. And for Cavs fans, I feel like they should be looking at it the same way. You know, they're better than us on paper. They should um, expect their team to go out there and to, to do the best they can to beat us. And I thought there were times and, and things they could have exploited to, to where they could have done better to win this game. But um, at the end of the day, I thought our role players played really, really well in this game. I think this was the Brad Wanamaker game. Um this Cleveland game. Let me try and look at the box score real quick. <clears throat> yeah, this was the Brad Wanamaker game, and I thought that he had a, a very good control of the offense, and he was playing with good pace and, and getting guys and hitting guys in their spots and all that. And um, Bradley Beal had a really good game, 29 and 10 and 6. Kyle Kuzma, 25, 10 boards. So, um, Craig Sword had some minutes defensively. So, pretty good game yeah, I mean, for the from the Wizards there to to be a, a Cavs team that had really just killed us basically all season. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't even think it was like a great game offensively by the Wizards. We still shot horribly from three, missed a lot of free throws, but I think they won this game on the defensive end. Like, Gafford just locked Mobley up in that second half. And with them not having that pick-and-roll threat with Garland and Allen or Rubio, their offense was just – it was just not. Like, it was literally at that point, second half, they were just trying to go to Mobley and and go ISO against Gafford, and he wasn't having it. So, um, yeah, it was a a good game. Um, And I I, kind of downplayed the W, but then that same team – the, the Cavs went like the next night and just mollywopped the the Hawks. So right. it's like, you know, maybe it was a solid win, or maybe the Hawks are just really bad. I don't know, but I think the um, Hawks are just really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a good win. I felt like they did what they were supposed to do. Like if they don't have, they didn't have a viable guard on the floor. You're supposed to exploit that. Definitely. Um... Yeah, that that was the thing is like you can really tell the difference and you mentioned it, but like the the lack of a pick and roll threat 
in terms of their guard spot. I mean, even Jared Allen, yeah, Jared Allen, but um, they really didn't have a guard to go out there and execute that. And so now they got Rondo, so maybe that'll help out a little bit. And obviously getting Garland out of protocols will help, but not having Ricky Rubio is really, really going to hurt this team. So um, I think that we talked and originally we were just kind of like, well, maybe only the sixth seed is going to be available. But I think now with the the Rubio injury that, that Cleveland has got, I think that maybe now the the five seed is a little bit more attainable than once thought. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, they need to be trying to shoot for that. Um, you know, cause I think, I think it's going to be hard to catch Miami, Chicago, obviously the Bucks and Nets, the, the top of the class. Um, but yeah, I think the five seed is in play, man, with the injuries they've had, um, on the Cavs, uh, and really, no team really outside of the top four to me is really like super special um, in any particular way. So, yeah, I think that should be the goal, like trying to get that five seed. Yeah, I mean, all the, the top te- the teams that are in the top four right now, and maybe you can make an argument that the the Bulls weren't going to be a playoff team. I still forget where I had them in the preseason, but I mean, for the most part, I feel like those top four teams were always locks. Um, Again, maybe not the Bulls. I forget exactly what I said, but at least most of those teams that we're seeing up top, we felt like, okay, you know, they're at right now where they were projected to be. So it's not really a surprise. And it's about can the Wizards take advantage and um, try and cement themselves in that next tier of teams, which, you know, uh, remains to be seen. But at least right now, it seems like, generally speaking, they're heading in the right direction. Uh, What really hurt us the other night was that Bulls loss. And it's not, again, <clears throat> there's some nights and like people were pissed after this. And like, I, and I get it. Like I was pretty irritated too, but thinking about it and like the grand scheme of things, you know, uh, th- sometimes you're going to do everything that you can to win a game and you're not going to come out on top. And at the end of wizards games, like for me personally, I just like to feel good about the performance. I want to feel like they're heading in the right direction. I want to feel like they're competing. Um, and I, and I felt all those things um, after this Bulls game, even though with the with the DeRozan shot at the end, I mean, hats off to him. I thought I thought Kispert did the right thing. He tried taking away the shot. He jumped at it, and maybe that would have rushed Amar into his second shot. Either way, someone came over to help. He made the shot look. Um, you can argue the defensive game plan and who was supposed to be guarding who and all that, and um, game planned for that switch in case they did it. But look, I mean, it, you're not going to be able to to play as good down the stretch as the Wizards did against the Bulls. And, you know, the, the Bulls made some shots, and that's kind of just their team. They have a lot of good shot makers, but I, I didn't feel any negativity, really, in terms of the Wizards after that game. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel any, any kind of way about that game outside of just the, again, the the horrible officiating, and then the Wizards just lack of three-point shooting. Like mm-hmm. that was really the, the game definer. Like the, the Bulls were just able to make tough threes, um, and the the Wizards were missing wide open threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like you know, it's hard to keep a team like the Bulls with so much scoring 
uh, ability they have, it's hard to keep them down if you're going to miss wide open threes. Like you, uh, you have to be able to make, you know, 12, 13 threes against them. You just have to like, you know, and I think that was the difference. Like they should have scored 130 points on that Bulls team. Like period point blank. If the, if, if they're getting it for one, all the foul calls that they didn't get called. Um, and then two, just making average, making your threes at an average clip, they, they scored 130 on them and they win the game. Yeah. Um, moving on to <clears throat> last night's victory against the Hornets. Said we were going to get to it eventually, but. Um, you know, I felt this was obviously a really good performance from Kyle Kuzma, whose play has really just been much better if you look at the numbers over the past few games or so. I mean, his numbers have gone way up, and um, I don't know if that's because Dinwiddie's out. And I think Kuzma has said as much, right? I think he said something along the lines of when Dinwiddie plays, like he um, kind of goes to being like a corner catch-and-shoot type player. I think I saw that quote somewhere but to me it's like i mean at this point kuzma is the second option in your offense and you know uh if dinwiddie has a problem with that i mean his play just shouldn't be as inconsistent and i don't know another good word for this but i guess ineffective but he's just he doesn't do it for me especially when brad's in the game and i get he's trying to defer and like give Brad the ball and all that, but, like, you weren't paid, like, 17-plus million to come in here and just be a passer. Like, again, we could have we could have just had Neto do that or, or Holiday or whoever. So um, I know Kuzma's play is really inconsistent. It can be kind of wild at times, but the, the one reason I think this can stick for Kuzma is because all his shots are mostly at, at the rim. And it's not like he's just going crazy from mid-range or three. Granted, he always goes crazy from three in the fourth quarter. I think at this point that's a given. But overall, his game and the way he's attacking defenses is he's getting to the rim. And to me, that's consistent. That's not going to change. Yeah, I mean, Kuzma just has to play 6'10". I mean, that's really that's really it for me. Like, if he plays 6'10 and, and gets to the rim and kind of makes it makes up his mind that he's going to get to the free throw line and not kind of settle for jump shots, he can be really, really good. Like, he can be what we saw yesterday. Um, But if he's just going to kind of settle for shooting in the corner, shooting, you know, pull-up threes uh, regularly and being kind of a jump shooter, then, no, he's not going to be good. He's going to be hot and cold. He's going to come and go as his jump shot goes. Um, and I just think at 6'10", with his mobility, man, he should be living at the free throw line. Like, because he, the the power forwards that are going to guard him aren't going to be quick enough to stay with him. And then if you put a small on him, he's 6'10". Yeah. So it's like, dude, use that. Use that. Yeah. When you see an open lane, you get the ball and a rebound. I love what, he's, what he did yesterday. He was getting a rebound. And he was just going. And, like, he would just try to find lanes to the rim and just go attack. Um, and even if he didn't uh, get all the way to the rim, it collapsed the defense and it was passes for, for shooters. Um, and then by the time the fourth quarter came, because he had the ball so much and was, and was getting layups, getting free throws, well, then now he's in rhythm to shoot threes. 
Um, and that's how he has to play. He has to play inside out. He can't come out the game, start the game just shooting jumpers and yeah. then <clears throat> thinking that's going to get him in rhythm. Because then after a few misses, then it's like, then your head's down. Now you're not playing defense. Now you're out of rhythm. And then he looks like kind of that, that Kyle Kuzma that Lakers fans want to always kind of remind you of. So I just think he has to, it's his approach. And it's kind of the same with Dinwiddie. Like, you weren't brought here to be a stand-in-the-corner jump shooter. That's not why we, why we paid you $54 million. Like, you were one of the best attacking guards in the league. Like, that's why you were brought here, ACL or not. That's, I, I would imagine, and that's the player that Tommy envisioned playing next to Brad Beal is a guy that can just get downhill and make plays off of that. Um, yeah. But if you're just going to stand in the corner and turn yourself into a jump shooter, well, the defense is thanking you because you're not a you're not a jump shooter. They're going to live with you trying to be a volume shooter, jump shooter. They just are. They're going to be ready for the fast break, and we out. So, you know, I, I, both of them, like, their approaches have to be right for them to be effective players, and, you know, that's on them. Um, Kuzma was really kind of the one to begin with that I, I started noti- noticing a change in pace in terms of how he wanted to, to play the game and get the team going. There, I forget which game it was, but all of a sudden Kuzma got the rebounder, was asking for an outlet and was like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, what do you mean, let's go? Like, we don't do this. This is not what Wes Unsell Jr. wants. But um, slowly but surely, we started seeing this faster brand of basketball. And I think now it's... It's paying off to an extent because at least now they're more competitive in games, which is what you were looking at um, and, and what you were looking for because <clears throat> it was a stretch there where we were still kind of playing that slow brain of basketball, but it wasn't working in our favor any longer. Like We were not competitive. We were getting blown out almost every game, especially when we were playing those teams out west. And we started playing this faster brain of basketball against the Jazz and we're still not that great. I mean, we're four and three since that Jazz game, but at least now we're competitive. And if they can lock down in defense and crunch time and get wins that way, I'll take that. The, the defense is still not great, um, but at least now offensively, it seems like they're up to par. And and that's with the the bad three point shooting. And you go back to Kuzma standing in the corner. I mean, the only guy on the roster right now that should be a uh, a stand-in-the-corner type guy. I mean, KCP and Bertans are the only two that fit that mold. Everyone else should be trying to attack off the bounce and uh, getting into the paint to create opportunities for themselves or others. I mean, those are the only two guys that should be doing that. So um, I'm glad that they're playing faster. It allows everyone to get downhill. It allows easy opportunities off the break, and that's kind of what at least uh, we both have been asking for for a a little bit now. So uh, glad to see this transitioning to, to wins for them for the most part. Uh, we'll see what, what that all looks like when they get everyone back and healthy and can get a consistent rotation and all that. But um, for now, I mean, it, it's leading to good results on the floor. The, the one, I did want to touch on Bertans again because he keeps shooting the ball, it seems like, better and better. And he's starting to make the, those wild shots again where you're like, wow, I, th- that was quite unexpected. But but they're backbreakers for the defense, and it can lower your morale on the court and everything. Because some of those shots he, he makes sometimes, like, well, how the hell am I supposed to guard that? And then you mix that in with 
Kuzma getting whatever he wants, Beal getting whatever he wants. I mean, that can be demoralizing for a defense. And I think we saw that for a good stretch there in the and the Hornets game because it's like we we were getting everything inside that we wanted. And then when guys started hitting outside, it was like, well, well shit, what the hell are we supposed to do out there? So um I'm glad that Bertans is really starting to to get closer back to form. And look, he, he still may be a little bit of a disaster d- defensively. Um, it, I don't think it sticks out to me as much as others, but um, I'm, I'm glad that we're slowly but surely getting the, the old Bertans back, it seems like. Yeah, Bertans' defense definitely sticks out to me. It feels like, I don't know, I think him and Kisper, it just feels like whenever they guard the guy, it's like their percentages go up. I don't know. And they could be in position. Making a contest around on the perimeter. Thirty-five, three through five. Like they had some instances last night where they had Kuzma at the five and Bertans out there. They had them out there at the same time, kind of going small ball. And Kuzma was just like he would catch it off the board and just go, mm-hmm. kind of collapse the defense, and then he would find Bertans in corners. And I think that's how he needs to be shooting. Like he he should not just be camping out on on the perimeter. You know, just forcing shots like that's just bad offense for anybody. Um, so, so I think as as he, his quality of shot gets better, I think his percentages will get better because um, we know he can shoot. Like this, not you know he didn't forget how to shoot over the summer, man. He just has to take better shots and be in rhythm with his feet set. Because I swear, when his feet set, it's cash. You might as well go the other way. But when he got to contort his body or he rushing the shot, you know, like it's 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 dicey, man. It's dicey. And so, um, yeah, like, again, if he can if he can make shots consistently from three, man, there is a role for him on this team. But if he's missing shots, he need to be on the bench because he gives you nothing else. I definitely agree. I mean, and, and there's times where he'll bail you out with a couple threes here and there to, to make you. To, to just give you a, the tiniest bit of cushion sometimes in certain spots during a game, but it, it's extremely helpful when he could do that. Now I don't, I, I need at least like three threes from you. You know, I mean, if you're going to make two or one three pointers out of like six or seven attempts and yeah, it's probably not worth playing you. But I mean, if you can get, and obviously he's not going to go four or seven from three every night, but I mean, if you can give me the, the, the three of seven, the, the four of nine, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take that on a consistent basis. So, um, definitely good to to see him be back and and getting more into form. Uh, one topic that has been kind of big with Wizards Twitter lately is uh, Point Beal, and I kind of I know that we're both kind of on the same page with this, but for the people that may not know exactly what we mean by by Point Beal, um, if you wanted to go ahead and and take this topic and explain why you're a fan of it, I'm sure everyone would like to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, so, like, I, I'll first start off by saying that, you know, I actually wasn't a believer in Brad Beal as a point guard, kind of assuming, like, that James Harden role. Like, I 
I mean, Oz will tell you, we and him had plenty of debates about what Bill's role should be on this team as it relates to kind of building it and what where Bill fits in with that. Like, um, I've always I had always felt like we needed to bring in like a true playmaker to kind of take the pressure off of Bill so he didn't have to handle. Um, and, you know, the last few games, like it's been like a revelation for me because you know, it's like, wow, well, maybe he can actually handle the point guard duties and it allows his shooting, his three-point shooting to be less of an importance because he already has the ball. He's not waiting to get the ball at the end of a shot clock or in a catch-and-shoot situation with a guy running at him, and now you're living on percentages. Um, So he got the ball as soon as he come across half court. He already has it. And he could just go attack. He can run the pick and roll. You have to guard him. So he's collapsing the defense and drawing attention. And if you got shooters next to him, well, he's a good enough passer to find those shooters. You know, so and, you know, we're in a point of uh, in the NBA now where it's just like, you know, that traditional guard uh, mindset is pretty much gone. Like there isn't the Jason Kidd, Steve Nash stuff is kind of gone now, like. All of these guys are just kind of like combo guards. They're able to get you 20, 25 points, and they can get you seven-plus assists. That's that's pretty much all of these guys. And it's just a matter of how they're able to navigate it, how they're able to close games and, and understand time and score um, and making the right decisions in the clutch. Um, and so far, the last, you know, six-plus games, Bill has been – he's been impressive, man. So – I say, hey, look, if it's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, to, to me, and it's th- this kind of, and we talked a little bit before, and I've, I've made this point before, Beal at point guard is kind of a, another one of those positionless basketball type mindsets because, yeah, and, and like someone added me last night and was like, I don't want to see Beal at point guard anymore. He doesn't have the, the best handles in the world. And it's like, for me, like a traditional point guard, you know, a typical point guard, good handles, good decision maker, um, get your offense running. But I, I don't think that that's how you have to be old Bradley Beal as a, as the point guard. For me, point just means for me now, like point of attack. And when you're putting guys in lineups and trying to figure out rotations and all that, to me, it's less about position and what combination of guys can I put in to exploit your defense and how can I attack you the best? How can I get you off balance? How can I put more size in there? Like it's more about those types of things than trying to fit in traditional roles and then rocking with it just because. Um, and I think that what we're seeing now with the BLS sort of the, the point of attack kind of guy is like you were saying, it allows him to get downhill earlier and, when guys collapse because inevitably they have to or else you're going to get dunked on or you're going to get an and one layup at the rim or a step back midi or whatever, but you have to send help. And again, going back to when Quentin was on with us and he agreed with me on this, Brad wasn't getting downhill enough. And that's why we weren't seeing the, the best version of him earlier on in the season because he wasn't doing the things that, that he's good at and what makes him a great player and a great score. And now we're getting back to that. And I think that going forward, I think that that's the formula you sort of have to roll with um, if you want to win. 
and he's not going to perform well in that role all the time. It's it's unrealistic to expect him to have um, a great game every game, and I would hold that expectation to any player. You know, it's unrealistic to ask guys to be perfect in their role all the time. You know, th- there's going to be lumps and. Uh, you know, th- there's going to be moments where it's like, God, what the hell is he doing out there? But for the most part, generally speaking, I mean, I feel like this is the way you have to go. And I don't know if it's moving Dinwiddie for a wing, which I would love, or moving different guys around to bring in a different off-ball guard or whatever. But again, I really feel like this is the formula to work with going forward. Yeah, it's kind of like... um you know, I kind of look at the Nets with Harden, Kyrie. I look at the Bulls with DeRozan, Levine, Lonzo. Uh, you look at the Bulls, like, you know, who's their point guard on paper is Lonzo Ball. But if you actually watch them play, Lonzo Ball rarely brings the ball up to initiate offense. The only time Lonzo Ball is really playing point guard is if he's rebounding it and he's running a fast break. But other than that, in a half court, it's DeMar DeRozan with the ball. And they do yep. that because... It allows DeMar to, you know, you don't, his three point shooting at that point is no longer an issue. And he can run pick and roll. And Lonzo and Levine are great three point shooters. They can slide to the wings and just play catch and shoot. Um, and it's kind of similar with Beal. And you, you look at the Nets, like they had to make a decision between Kyrie and Harden. Yeah, Kyrie is listed as the point guard, but who really should be the point guard on this team? Who's the better shooter? That person needs to slide to the shooting guard spot and play off the ball. That's Kyrie. Right. Right. Let James Harden, who's more of a volume scorer, let him have the ball and let him kind of make plays off of his ability to penetrate and collapse the defense. And boom, you got a perfect synergy. And I think, you know, almost by mistake, the Wizards are starting to figure this out with Bradley Beal. Like, Beal is not, you know, he's not Ray Allen. He's not... He's not Clay Thompson. He's not even really like a Devin Booker. Like he's more along the lines of a Spider Mitchell or uh, I would even say like a uh, even kind of like DeMar a little bit, like where they have to have the ball, like to get in rhythm, to get downhill. They, they kind of play inside out. So as they get more layups and free throws, well, then now they're in rhythm to make jump shots from from range. So uh, that's the best way to maximize them. And it's, it's not going to happen putting them next to another high-volume guard who you got to right. wait on 15 <clears throat> seconds to get the ball from. You know, it's just not it's not going to work. Like, it kind of – it sort of worked with Russ last year because they were just playing take turns going ISO. You know, they got, they got all the possessions. Um but Wes is not running that type of offense. So, you know, they got to they gotta find a way to, you know, they found a way on mistake to kind of maximize what Beal does best. And again, this goes back to our championship debate that we had on a couple episodes ago. When was the last time that a high volume guard combo won a championship? And even going back to the these Warriors teams that have won recently. The thing that makes these Warriors teams special is, yeah, they can do stuff um, on ball, obviously, but they both, uh, Steph and Clay, can both move off ball. And they both do a ton of damage by the off ball movement because Draymond Green is really their point guard. Um, He's the one who initiates the offense, gets guys in spots, and, 
and that sort of thing. Steph will run off ball, run uh, off ball screens and come up on the wing and shoot the ball and then attack off that. And, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll run like the, the pick and roll and attack you that way. I mean, Steph can beat you so many ways. It's not like he's a, a this or the other type of player, but uh, other than that, rare instance the 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 high volume combo like uh, where both guards have the ball a lot it's not a winning formula in the nba and i think this is why i'm another another reason to be an advocate of beal at point and then just find some guys who can move off ball and shoot a little bit because the numbers will tell you and just looking at rosters the high usage with the two guards is it doesn't win you games, and it does, I mean, it may win you games. It doesn't win you championships. Yeah, it, it's entertaining for sure, but it's 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 not winning championships. Like Steph and Clay, I mean, I think if you ask most coaches, you worried about them off the ball because they're gonna run around a hundred screens while Draymond is playing quarterback, and then they just gonna they gonna catch it, and it's it's you're done. Um, usually when Steph is handling it over dribbling, he's turning the ball over. Yep. Um, so, so, you know, I feel like, you know, the closest thing to it, I was saying the other day is like probably CP three and Harden. And I think they, they got as far as they could. They got to the Western conference finals and lost to the warriors. Uh, but you're talking about two of the best players ever at their position. And then even at the end of that, they hated each other. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so if it didn't work for them two, I don't see how you can justify it working for Bill and Dinwiddie. So I think I think we've known this for a while, but I think seeing Bill at point guard now adds even more data to the equation that you need to just put Dinwiddie on the bench, and you'd be better suited putting a, a shooter, a guy who can swing off the ball in the backcourt with Bill. And I think the team would just be better for it. And then Dinwiddie can just be Dinwiddie when he gets in. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, ideally, I would like to find a trade partner for Dinwiddie if that's the, the how we're going to do things. Because as a backup point, who would – I don't know. I feel like I'd rather almost have Neto in that instant. In that instance. Um, but, but going back to this debate for a second i mean go and look at the history uh, john wall and bradley beal it ended up not working out we never even got to the eastern conference finals and there was always beef of okay do they get along do they not clearly there's differences on the court look at the trailblazers uh dame and cj you know they're they, they don't win they got to the western conference finals i think once and there's always that talk of well, do they actually get along? Do they not? Can they work together long term? So, I mean, th- there's more than one example to point to and and look at this type of stuff and say, you know, th- this really isn't the the formula of basketball to to roll with if you want to win. So, I hope that this is something that Wes is taking note of and is saying, well, we just got to roll with this going forward, and we just need guys to step in and hit shots, you know, maybe Tommy will see this and say, okay, we need to make some moves to get some off ball guards, whether that's Eric Gordon, who would probably be number one on my list uh, at that point. I mean, you just roll with Beal, Eric Gordon, KCP, Kuzma, Gafford, and I feel like that's a, a decent starting five. And then you have some guys off the bench who can do a little bit of different things. You know, I think that that's a, a solid formula or whatever else they want to do, but 
Um, I hope that they keep up this style of play and that it doesn't change when, when Dinwiddie gets back. Cause that's kind of my worry right now is Dinwiddie yeah. going to get back. Uh, Wes is going to put him in the starting lineup and then they're going to have to try and get uh, Rui or Brian acclimated, which appears is going to kind of be at the same time, which is kind of odd, but um, and then now we're we're losing again because nothing is consistent. So that's kind of my worry right now. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that you know the the start the five man lineup of Beal, KCP, Denny, Kuzma, Gafford has the best offensive rating of sure. one twenty eight on this team, um, and it's not even close. Uh, I think I think the closest is if you swap out KCP for Neto, something like that. Uh, or maybe no, you swap out Denny for Neto, and then it goes from like a 128 rating to like a 120 rating. Mm-hmm. Um, both numbers would be number one in the league as far as offensive rating is concerned. But uh, you get the idea. Like it, you you don't need having two ball dominant guards in your backcourt. It kind of is too much overlapping talent. Like, and when neither one of them are great three point shooters. they're kind of negating each other because one of them without the ball becomes a useless player. Um, Especially if they're not willing to drive, drive to the hoop. So um, yeah, Wes need to put his big boy pants on, man, do what need to be done. I mean, it's, it's quite obvious what he need to do, but I just don't know if he's going to, he's going to do it. So going back to trade targets right now, and and now that we have this different sort of idea of how we should play, I think for me, I think that Eric Gordon might be ahead of Sabonis now for me in terms of who we should acquire and like thinking about this this new way of how we should be playing. And maybe there's another guard out there. I'm not thinking that is attainable, but for right now, I think that Eric Gordon's probably my number one trade target. You're going, you're going full Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> Eric Gordon, just, I mean, the, they can play some that's defense. That's essentially too, what it would become. Know. Like, it's basically the Harden Rockets at that point. Yeah. Um, which, again, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I think it would lead to wins for sure. Like, it would, it would be, you know, Bradley Beal kind of assuming that Harden role, and then you just got a bunch of shooters and then a rim runner. Just, um, I, I would love Sabonis. My, 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 my gripe has always been with this is it, if you put him at the four and you have Dinwiddie and Beal who need to get to the paint because, again, they're not the best shooters in the world. How do you do that when you have Sabonis and Gafford as your four and five? Now, it may work sometimes, but over a consistent basis and like at a decent sample size of 20-something minutes a night, I don't think that it's just going to be that effective. Now, again, if we want to put Sabonis at the five and, you know, live with whatever um, inefficiencies he may have at the rim on that end, you know, you live with that. But to me, I just I don't see how he plays at the four on this team and succeeds. Gafford, and I cannot express this enough, is not Miles Turner. And any form or fashion. So I don't see how that combo works here if you're going to have Sabonis at the four. Yeah, because, I mean, he's not able – Gafford isn't able to swing out and shoot threes. Um, yeah, it's like Sabonis, man. It's tough because it's like – I feel like – I feel you offensively. Like, you will almost have to play him at the five here offensively. But then it's like how much does that – 
do you give up on the defensive end if you're doing that? Um, but it's like, do you need the five man to be a shot blocker in order to have a good defense? Right, right. Look at Gortat. I mean, look at Al Horford. Like, I don't think Al Horford has ever been a shot blocker. No. But he's a he's great defender. He's, you know, he, he stays on his man. He, he can switch out, pick and roll. But now Sabonis, I don't know that there's evidence that he can do that. Um, yeah. So I don't know, man. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's tough, man. It, it's tough. Like, like, could you, if you're putting Gaffer back on the bench, how does that affect your defense? Like, you know, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. But I, I would love for the Wizards to just get another shooter. Like, I feel like they need that anyway. Um, you know, if they're not going to make a big splash move, like for an all-star level guy, like they have to kind of, I feel like they need to get rid of some of the overlap at power forward and get another shooter in here. Um, and, and Eric Gordon definitely fits the bill. I would even go like maybe a Terrence Ross. Um, I know his yeah, numbers are sure. kind of down this year, but um, yeah, Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, Joe Ingles. I'm looking at those types of guys to to bring in to kind of balance this roster out a little bit better. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's the and I, I know they're going to start Dinwiddie when they get back, and I get it. I'm not saying don't do that, but I mean, I, definitely going forward. I mean, my ideal starting five is Beal at the one, and then you name your shooter at the two. Uh, KCP Kuzma Gafford. I think that would be sort of my formula for and and to be clear, when you look at who they would we would have to give up to get like an Eric Gordon um, and a Sabonis, for example. I mean, ideally, you, you, there are scenarios where you could come away with both. Um, I, I don't think that that's entirely impossible, uh, considering the trade packages that I've seen thrown around for Sabonis and what it would take away to uh, to, to get Eric Gordon. It's not impossible that you could get both of those guys. You know, it's just how creative does Tommy want to be and does Tommy really want to chip in uh, the, the Denny and Rui to, to make these sort of moves happen. And, and to me, like, it's tough with, with Rui because I feel like I need to see more consistency from Kuzma before I, was, I would be ready to, to, to 100% be like, okay, well, let's see what – but let's call around and see what we can get for Rui. Um, I would need to see more from Kuzma before that happens. But, I mean, if Kuzma keeps playing like this, it can get downhill. To me, that's not fluke. That's just, that's just him being him. And if he can do that, you know, I think that opens up the, the possibilities for the guys that we can bring in here. Because there's a lot of teams that are not good that have veteran players that could fill a role on this team, either as a key reserve or – even as a starter, depending on how you view that. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, we got a little bit more time before the trade deadline. Uh, hopefully, Rui and Bryant come back. We have a decent sample size and can uh, make some moves from there and improve the roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just, I just think they got to – Tommy's got to make a move. Like, it's just too much position overlap. I would like to see him kind of – like once we kind of establish roles, you know, we got to kind of figure out, all right, who are the guys willing to play defense and hustle when they aren't getting touches? Because um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the issue they've been running into with their defense falling off with Cliff. Like you got so many guys that are talented at putting the ball in the hoop, 
but do they is there is their offense tied to their defense? Like if they're not getting the ball, do they stop playing defense? Do they stop hustling as much? Do they stop buying in into what West wants from them on that on that defensive side of the ball? And I think if you kind of get rid of some of that that overlap in talent, that kind of helps you. That's why you saw it like against the Jazz. You know, with guys out, you saw like guys just kind of embrace the role. Like, okay, this is Bill, this is Bill, and and um, Bill getting the offense, Kuzma getting his shots. We're going to kind of play our role, and you know, they got to figure that out. And maybe a trade kind of helps facilitate that. Absolutely. All right. Before we go ahead and close this out, we got to do our picks for this week uh since we didn't record yesterday um we just dm'd about the the predictions for the hornets game i had a loss you had a win uh before the rest of the three games this week you are at 19 and 18 and i am at 20 and 17 um so with that being said we're gonna go ahead for this rockets game i'm gonna go ahead and put down a win for this one what do you got yeah that's a dub all right, the next game we have at Chicago. Um, I'm going to go bold, and I'm going to say that they win that game. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to put that as an L, man. Okay. And then Orlando, I'm going to win for that one as well. Yeah, they got to win that. So I have them going... 3-0 and for the rest of the week, and you have them going 2-1 and overall for this week. Uh, counting that Hornets game, we both have them going 3-1 and for this week, which uh, I would consider a good week of basketball. So uh, anything else you got before we get out of here? Keep winning, man. Keep winning. Yep, absolutely. Well, all right, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for us today then. Um, Thanks for tuning in. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate us five stars, and uh, leave us a comment. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatever, you can DM me anytime. I'm I'm pretty responsive. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening, and see you next time. You don't want the chips if it got the guac missing You only want the bins if it's AMG kitty But if I get pinched, based on suspicion Is you gon' sing like Bobby in New Edition? Forget it, mama told me put the kid in So I did it, but that baby came up like a Samuel in Pulp Fiction I'm light-skinned it, my granddaddy Indian You fucking with my lineage and dividends Peace and light, I wish you all the love Please get out my house, I'll call the cops I think I have spent my final 